You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. For listening to the Detroit Red Wings Alumni Show. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left into the zone. The Detroit Red Wings on the stand. McCarty up over the line. McCarty got by his man. He scores! What a play there McCarty made. Now we got a fight. Got it. Oh, and Gordy involved with. Looks like that's John Gruden. That's the first time I've ever seen Fedding get a fight. Ten seconds away from successfully defending the Stanley Cup, the Detroit Red Wings. Their bench on Osgood with his arms up over his head coming out. The Detroit Red Wings have won the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. A long shot in on the new goaltender, Eddie Mio, in goal. Look at that old school mask. And that's something. He's a brave man. Hey, that catch it down. He's in. Six scores. Kalima. Coats or Probert, though, that's the main one here. These are good friends. You rarely ever see Coats or Probert go at it. Most of the former Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings, their offensive catalyst, number 25, welcome left winger John O'Grodnick. Got it in front, the score! Jason Woolley, the shot heard round the world! Eisenman will hit the blue line, chance, stop! And welcome to the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Association podcast. This is season two, episode one. With that, before we even get started, I want to remind you that on social media, you can find us on Twitter, at Red Wing Alumni, where we're going to use all 280 of our characters. You can find us on Instagram at the Detroit Red Wing Alumni, and of course, you can always follow us on Facebook. With me today, I have Art Regner. Eddie Mio will be joining us shortly. Eddie is running late, as he always does. In studio right now, I've got Al Lux. Say hello, Al. Hello. And <laughs> we've got a full show. We're going to do about two hours to start the season off. We've got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to go a little bit veteran-heavy today, which is why we've got Al, who's a former Army veteran, and Eddie Mio is walking into the studio right now. And Great shirt sure as always, Eddie. <laughs> always. always. Man, always. it always comes dressed up. So, and then a little bit later on, we're going to talk to Mickey Redmond, probably about 325, Greg Malachy, former U of M two-time national champion, um, and actually a United States Air Force major fighter pilot. He's going to be joining us. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to talk with Stalls about the veterans game this weekend, and then we'll wind it up with Al Lux. So with that, I want to welcome Art back in the studio. Art, you have been incredibly busy. You've taken a job with the Red Wings. You've been doing your own podcast, cheating on me a little bit. Yes. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, thank you, Newman. It's always great to be back here, and I always enjoy it. Great to see Jessica again and uh, uh, our fine, really, p- producer uh, she, she controls everything, yes. right? Exactly. Uh, uh, too nice, too nice. <laughs> well, well, that's who we are, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, back in February, after uh, a lot of uh, back and forth, I accepted a position with the Red Wings uh, as a, 
assistant editor for DetroitRedWings.com, uh, along with Dana Wakiji, who mm-hmm. runs it. Bill Roos used to do it. Bill right. left and went over to the Novi Public Schools, where he's very happy. And then Dana got Bill's job, and then I got sort of Dana's job. And then uh, Dana really wanted me to start doing a podcast, which I originally did, called The Red and White Authority with Kevin Allen from USA right. Today. Correct. And so the I one to, that doesn't like me. No, he likes you. You 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 just did a you know you complimented him on a story you didn't write, but that right, that's, you just get on his nerves. That's all. Yeah, right. No, that's cool though. He obviously Kevin likes you a lot. And so make a long story short, Dana wanted me to do it. I talked to Kevin about it. I actually came up with the name, and he said, "Yeah." So uh, I do the uh, Red Wing official podcast. It's called the Red and White Authority. We're up to uh, thirty six episodes. The last episode I did was on Monday with uh, Darren Elliott, uh, Red Wing broadcaster. And, you know, it's real interesting. You know, he was a goaltender, as Eddie knows. and Part of the uh, goaltender union, that's He correct. played yep. for Team Canada, like in the Olympics before pros and all that. Not that he wasn't a pro at the time, but he contracted diabetes, type 1 diabetes in Russia. And has been his whole for 35 years a type 1 diabetic. As we know, diabetes is one of those diseases, one and two. Uh, if you're a two, if you watch your weight seriously, and they're finding this out now in your diet and exercise, you can really control it. Like you, you don't have to take any kind of medication. Type 1, not so lucky. And uh, so we talk about that, which is really fascinating stuff. Mike Keenan was his first coach in. Uh, you know, some Bantam team or something. I don't know what they call it in Canada that he played for. And, you know, he was at Cornell. So it was a really interesting stuff. So it's been really rewarding doing that. And then, of course, covering the team. And, if, you know, I'll pump it up on Friday. We're going to have a prospects report uh, where, they're, where the current prospects are. They had 11 of them they drafted this year. So we're going to look at all 11 of those guys. And then a couple of uh, guys from Grand Rapids and even a, a few for the Toledo Walleye, hopefully about 20 players. Ryan Martin, the assistant general manager of the Red Wings, who really is like the lint trap guy. He oversees the entire minor league operation, and they have a really good affiliate with the Toledo Walleye that people didn't know. Toledo has a good, fine young coach. I don't know, Eddie, if you know him. Andy. Uh, Well, Andy Delmore is the assistant to Dan Watson. Uh, Both together, yeah. yeah. Well, those guys have really turned that franchise around and uh and so uh we'll we'll be doing that in the a podcast with ryan martin along with uh uh with a story that'll be on the website on friday so it's uh it's i'm always busy newman always, always the, you know i think i get a break and then bam you know and i i gotta get eddie on this podcast and talk to him about being an agent well here. speaking of eddie no, right now then, then- the other, when he does have some downtime, you can find him at Wine Palace, <laughs> Middle Belt <laughs> 96. Right. Kelly and Cliff. Hey, Kelly and Cliff. Wait, oh, look, no. ever since I introduced you to those Absolutely. guys, you kind of live there too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. There's your plug right there. There you go. Thank Kelly and Cliff will like it. And welcoming back into the chair, of course, the man with the face for radio, the man with the brand new bionic hip, Eddie Mio. Eddie, how are you? How was your summer? My summer was great. I was recovering most of the summer, but uh, how is the recovery coming along? Awesome. When do you think you're going to be back in goal? Uh, I'll probably try it after January. I think I'll give it a couple more months. I th- did you play Joey softball this year? I know yeah. you were there. Yeah, I thought yep. you did play. Yep. 
Well, based he, on he didn't the miss talent, a beat. it was no. probably the best he's been in years. Except that one, the last, the, <laughs> the last, the last out was hit in my direction, yes. and I, tr- I, you know, as an outfielder, I don't know why they put me out there. I can't run anymore. But uh, as an outfielder, you know, you see where the ball's going, then you turn to go. Well, I turned a little bit too hard, and I felt the hip. And I, I stopped going. Thank God I had a backup. He caught it, and we won the game. But, uh, yes, and I, I did some running. I had a, uh, you know, uh, a pinch runner. I'd get the first and, uh, you know, then took over. But it felt good. You know, it's, uh, I recommend it for anybody. I waited four years. But uh, when people ask me how it is, I said, I sleep at nights now. Yeah, for Instead sure. of waking up eight to ten times a night switching positions, I'm uh, I'm. You know, well, really? with the solid, exception, solid sleep. With the exception of goal, and based on your age and the way that you look, it's not like you're using your hip for anything more than playing goal. So mm-hmm. that's true. So <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it. We'll no, leave it at that. Any personal life? <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it right at that. So with that, as we just get into uh, some of the conversation, like I mentioned, we've got Mickey Redmond coming on at three twenty-five. Um, but just wanted to get your initial impressions, especially Eddie and Art, um, about the new arena. You know, now this is the first time we've really had a chance to talk about it. So your initial thoughts. Start with you, Art. Well, I've seen it. Uh, the first time I saw it was on the last day of Joe Lewis Arena, or the last game of Red Wing alumni uh, uh, toured it. The guys that came into town, you could I, – I didn't think there were going to be many. I mean, it was 10.30 in uh, Sunday morning. And, you know, I know the night before the guys were all, you know, reacquainting themselves. They uh, were in church. Yes, they were and in they church. And they went to Denny's. Yeah, they, they went to Denny's, exactly. So I didn't think there would be many. There were a lot of Red Wings there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and we looked at it. And so I've seen it from really still a, a, a live, real live construction site to, to what it is today. Uh, I think it's extraordinary. I really do. I think it's incredible. Uh, the thing I like about it, and I know that this has been said, is that it doesn't look like some sort of spaceship landed on top of a building. You know, there's not glass or jagged stuff. I guess the new building that Dan Gilbert's going to make is going to kind of look like that, the yes. tallest building in Detroit, yes. which will be modern, and that probably should be. But, the, you know, Red Wings have been around since 1926. They're an old franchise. They're an original six. I like the way it kind of incorporates... It looks like a city. You know, I mean, it looks like the brick and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I kind of like the homage that they paid a little bit to Olympia. I'm old enough to remember Olympia and the red brick. And, you know, so I like that. The concourse, the main concourse is fantastic. It's fabulous. There's a lot of things to do. The upper concourse, which, you know, Joe Lewis never had an upper concourse. That's why so crowded in the lower bowl there because two bowls, you know, emptied into one. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's uh, it, it it really is the sight lines. There is a lot of red, as Austin Matthews said when they played the, the Leafs played the game. He liked the arena, but said there was an awful lot of red in it. Uh, I I do believe that they're going to have to try to figure out pricing. I think it's expensive, and it's and I think expensive. that you know it, because of that because they're, they're they're trying it out. I I think that you're going to have to give them time where they're going to kind of figure out, you know, what people... I, I think that in the beginning, the assumption was that everybody would get caught up in the arena. And that's true to a certain degree. But after a while, the product has to be there. And that product is the Detroit Red Wings and Detroit Pistons. And I think once, you know, so then people, once the initial... 
just aura of the arena wears off. And, you know, it'll wear off the first time you're in there. I mean, you'll go, you'll see everything, and you might not mm-hmm. come back to your seat. But then after that, if you're going to go back again, I don't think the arena itself draws you back. I think, I think it'll be the team that draws you back. And if the Red Wing goaltending can hold up, they have a legitimate shot, I think, at making the playoffs. I'm not going to say they're going to well, win the we'll Stanley Cup. That. But but you know, but I, I, I think it's great. I really do. I think as a native Detroiter, born and raised here in Detroit, birth certificate says Detroit, Michigan. So uh uh, you know, I, I will say that I do feel a sense of pride because so many times over the years we've either it never looks like the architect's rendition. Mm-hmm. If it if it's made if it's made at all, but nine times out of ten it's never made. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I'm pretty happy with it. No, it's a it's a it's a unique building. It's nice. Uh, uh, it's the same architects that built uh, the Rogers Center in Edmonton, and everyone's still raving about that yeah, one that, after a year. Uh, I think I agree with you. There's a lot to do in that building. That's why you see a lot of empty seats. Right, right. And a lot of people that are coming the is first timers. I don't know of a lot of guys that went opening day and have gone back since. So I think a lot of the tickets that are being given away from season ticket holders are people coming in for the first time. Right. It's either that or nobody really likes the Red Wings right now because that building is empty. If you really look at it in the second period, there is a lot of empty seats. But there's not empty people. They're all in the concourse, as right. you said. Right. Upstairs, downstairs, they're in the club rooms. So, and, and there, uh, I mean, there's what nine different venues around the uh, the arena, the concourse. Correct. Mike's, yes. uh, but a, a lot of Mike's different pizza kitchen. You have pizza you know, kitchen, you have like social a sports kitchen. bar. Yeah. You know, Kid Rock still has his exactly. thing going. I mean, yeah. so there's and a I guess lot of stuff. Each area has their own designated bar. It's not like when it, the old exactly. Olympia room where yeah. everybody would meet. Now yeah. there are certain but, bars or so certain I, clubs that you're meeting. But I'm at. with you, Art. That it, that that will wear off, and the final thing that brings you back is obviously what's going to be on the ice. Right, right. So the, the ice and the competition. And the I mean, competition you know, Sydney Crosby comes to town. Absolutely. It's going to have, you know, that, that building, will, which is, I think it's New Year's Eve this year. It is New Year's Eve. That building will be full. You know, but, it, it, you know, but still, I, I think the thing that's odd is that it's a loud building because of the way it's designed. Sure. So it's really loud, regardless of what the crowd is like. The day that it is filled, top to bottom, and opening night was pretty opening close. Night, you could tell, but yeah. I mean that building is extremely loud because of it has the lower bowl. Then it really does go actually straight up, straight up, and, straight up, and that grid, that that sound grid that they have, is designed for all the sound to bounce off that grid, and there's no other arena like this in North America, and maybe not even the world, they're not sure about that, and bounce straight back down either to the ice or court. And, you know, the players themselves have have, have commented on it uh, that it's, it's really loud. Or... They, they think they're playing in front of a sellout every night because that's how loud it, it is. It down is there. loud. There's, there's have no either one it. of you been there for a Pistons game yet? Uh, I have not. I have been there for a Pistons game, and you know, smart smart Alec me thought that my Olympia pass, which gets me access all over the building, uh, would work for Pistons. But I need a floor pass for that, so I haven't. I've seen the court, I've seen it empty, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, 
but I have not actually been to a game. The closest I've come as the game is going on, I'm in the underneath the the bowels of Joe Louis yeah. or pardon no. me, Little oh. Caesars Arena. I keep the calling one, it Joe Louis. The one the one thing that they are having problems with, and, and they're going to have to figure it out, is is the ice. Uh, there's been right. a lot of complaints about the ice, and until they figure out, it's 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 you. It's the same as Madison Square Garden. It's the worst ice in the NHL, Madison, because there's an event there every day. Right. Rangers don't practice there. Uh, they don't even come down for pregame skate. The visiting team does have it in the morning. But those, bo- uh, those floors get taken off, and the ice gets resurfaced and cut and frozen that day of that game. The Red Wings, I have heard, uh, a lot of people complaining that it's starting to get that way. you got to remember, now you got basketball in there. You get concerts. So there's a floor going over that ice. Well, you, you know, Eddie, I, I agree. We talked about it. You yeah. know, several of the Red Wings. You know, Henrik Zetterberg said that virtually the ice at, at Little Caesars is like it is all over these multi-purpose buildings now. Yeah, Most of these multi-purpose buildings have so many events yeah. that, you know, they're constantly taking it. I will say one thing that you will notice, uh, and you can tell how – Bad the ices, and I know Al and the crew is are trying their oh, darndest to fix them, it because yeah. the practice ice is no better. Yeah, the really? practice ice, the, the practice rink, that ice is about the same according really? to the players. According, I was to the at Red a Wing. tournament two weeks ago, and uh, I talked to a couple of the kids that I was watching. They like the ice. They thought it's cold enough in there. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it is cold though. Yeah. But then again, we're talking to these kids that they're like That's the, true. being treated like the mini Red Wings. I right. mean, That's true. Yeah, right. ice is probably the furthest thing from their mind, but. Uh, but but I will say that the one thing you do notice at a hockey game, at a Red Wing game, is how many times they come out in between whistles to shovel the ice because there's so much yes. snow on There it. is that. And it, it slows the puck more, down, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, so. Okay, so what we're going to do right now, we're going to take, um, take a little bit of a break, get set up. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Michael Edward Redman, otherwise known as Mickey Redman. And on the line with us right now, fresh off Mickey Redmond night out there in Flint for the Flint Firebirds game, I've got two-time Stanley Cup champion, 50-goal scorer, Mickey Redmond. Mick, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys doing today? I can't complain, Mickey. You know that. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the sun's shining somewhere. It's shining in Detroit. That's all fi- we know. Is it 5 it's o'clock somewhere yet? <laughs> It it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, it's 5 o'clock five wherever o'clock? you want it to be. Well, I'm going with you then, Mick. Let's go. <laughs> at 5 o'clock. <laughs> oh, it's always 5 that's, o'clock. That's what, my, that's what my dad used to say. We're up plowing fields. It's, it's noon somewhere, Mickey. Let's have one. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> when chewing on dust for at 6 in the morning, you're not like a good cold ginger ale. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, life is good. Life is good. Good. You know what, How Mickey, we doing, You know what? We're doing good. And one of the things, you know, everybody always talks to you about the new rink and they talked to you about what's going on with the club wanted to talk just a little bit today about your career you had a fabulous career uh, as we alluded to two-time stanley cup your time with montreal before you came over to detroit before you played you were in peterborough uh you and your brother dick grew up playing hockey tell me a little bit about your love for hockey and what really pulled you into the sport well, probably the fact that my dad was a pro hockey player. My mom was an athlete. She was a, a basketball player and a figure skater. Uh, so we were we were a hockey family, but uh, my dad played at a pretty high level. Played for Punch Imlac, played with uh, 
played with John Beliveau in Quebec City when uh, Big John would have been a rookie, and my dad would have been near the end of his career. Um, and uh, uh, the great story behind that one was uh, my mom and dad, in the days uh, in 1967, you didn't move around that much. And, of course, there wasn't much television. There wasn't much coverage. Uh, it was transistor radios and stuff like that. But one time, my mother and dad uh, were invited by Claire Molson, Mrs. David Molson's wife, to come to Montreal. And uh, my dad came into the dressing room after the game. And Big John, in his broken English, uh, my dad's name was Eddie. And he said, Eddie, I play with the father. I play with the son. I think I'm feeling very old. And they both had a good laugh over that. And that's when, in the days when uh, Punchimlac was uh, coaching Quebec City, the, the Aces. And Big John was such a franchise player that I think the Canadians, if the story goes right, they bought the franchise to bring Big John to, to Montreal. And they say it was the house that Jean built. It was the Montreal Forum. So yeah. uh, those were good days. And uh, I think probably the roots that my dad laid down, he ended up playing for the Whitby Dunlops. He was the captain of that team in 1958. Uh, Harry Sinden, who was with the Bruins and still is, was his defense partner. And they won the world championship, beat the Russians uh, – in Oslo, Norway in 1958. I think that was my dad's last year. So I think the, the foundation was laid for Dick and I to be hockey players, and uh, we picked it up and, and carried on from there. Awesome. So you went from Montreal. You come to Detroit. Alex Del Vecchio retires. So that puts you on a line with Marcel Dion, you know, and that pretty much starts your career. What did you envision when you first got to Detroit? Well, uh, I, I, I didn't know what to envision or what to think, but what I do know, what I found out very quickly, is that they were buried so far in the last place you couldn't see top. And, uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was not a good time, uh, in spite of the fact that they had Gordy Howe. At least for a half a year, I got the good, the good fortune to play with Gordy before he moved on, and Alex and Gary Bergman and Nick Libet and the gang. Um, those were tough times, uh, and, and I think it all went back to organizational issues with ownership that, uh, you know, Bruce Norris was a was an absentee owner, and that caused all kinds of problems, and uh, it just was, uh, it was never a good situation for a long time until finally the Alex bought the team and got it turned around, but uh, now, you you stated I, 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 when Alex retired, I started playing with Dion, and that's not quite the way it worked. Newman. Okay. <laughs> um, what happened was a lot of people thought that, and, and really the only time that Marcel and I really played together on any kind of consistent basis was on the power play. And he was either on the right point and I was on the right wing, or I was on the right point and he was at center. Uh, but actually my, my centerman for my second 50 goal year was Bill Hogeman and oh, Billy okay. took over pretty much for Alex and boy, he could fly. I mean, he was a totally different kind of a centerman. Uh, and Alex was a left-hander. Naturally, he could backhand and forehand pass with the best of them, uh, like like Red Barrington could. But Hoagie was a, a right-hander, and he could absolutely fly. So he really, uh, you know, picked up for a winger, boy. You, I couldn't have asked for a couple of better centers than those two guys, and it really obviously worked out really well for me and being able to finish it off. But, uh, yeah, Marcel and I played together before he had to leave uh, to go to L.A., and... Um, but we never really played any kind of consistent basis on a regular line together. Mickey, uh, first of all, Mick, I, I have to apologize because, as you know, uh, I have been told by now my late mother, but any time I was on any kind of show with you, I had to wear a tie. 
And, uh, and do you have your tie on today? I do not. Uh, and yeah, you know, but wasn't she talking television? Art? Right, she was talking television. But okay, but, All but, right. but so you're but, off the hook. Yeah, well, look, look at if she were still here today, uh, she she would be calling me right now on my cell phone saying, "I don't care if it's." Whatever that newfangled podcast stuff is, you've got to be in a tie. But uh, I, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when, when the Red Wings traded for you, I was a big Frank Mahovlich fan who you were traded for. And yep. you know, that was like the third incarnation of the production line, Alex, Gordy, and Frank. And I was really, yep. really upset. And this was back, what, 70, 71, right around then before yep. you know, they were still running film on the newscast. And I can remember Gordy yep. Howe. They asked him about the trade, and he was in front of a bus. I don't know if they were they caught him before he was going on a road trip, or or I, I don't know, yep. maybe he was just going home to Lathrop Village, and his car broke down. I have no idea, but he was in front of a bus, and he said, "You know, anytime a player is traded, I always say goodbye to an old friend and hello to a new friend." Because that's the uh, way I look at it, and you yeah. know, it really settled me down. Like I wasn't that upset yeah. anymore, you know. And and then yeah. leave it. Then it leave was it to you Gordy to come up with a good line like that, right? You know, and and you know, it was kind of weird because at that point, and and this is what I guess why I'm, I'm leading to this question is is that. You know, I used to get these Red Wing tumblers from Marathon Oil, and I had to get one every week. And, you know, and one Saturday, you know, I'm a young guy, and, uh, you know, my dad, I'm watching the Saturday cartoons, and my dad says, Arthur, Arthur, come in here. And except for Gordy Howe and Alex Del Vecchio, all the other Red Wing Tumblr guys were traded. <laughs> and, he, and he started laughing. I mean, you were in a... It was it was always in flux for you, right? I mean, you had teammates coming and going all the time. It seemed like. Well, that was that was the, the problem with the organization. We were we were we were very much in in, in transition. Like it seemed like on a regular basis, and uh, you know, I, I think it goes without saying now that we we've, we've all got lots of years uh, under our belt that you look back and you go, you know, organizations whether it's sports teams or not are only as good as what's at the top of the, of the, of the ladder and, uh, and everything basically works its way on down. And, and I don't know really that there, there was a, any more dysfunctional situation than we had here in Detroit because of, uh, the, the, uh, the ownership absentee and all that kind of stuff. It was just not good. And, uh, they tried forever to try to get it right, but it wasn't until, you know, the Illiches bought the team and, Whatever, seventy nine or eighty, uh, if I'm getting that right, that uh, they finally they finally said, okay, let's uh, let's get uh, the kind of people in here we think can turn this thing around and give them all the the resources that they need to be successful. And boy, I mean, uh, the rest is history. I mean, what a difference. So, you know what? There's no there's no coincidence and no secret to the way everything went down here. A lot of good hockey players, and I, you know, some things that stand out to me from from those days were. There was, four, I believe, 14 teams in the league at the time. And on the last weekend of both seasons, I think it was 73 and 74, we lost out on a playoff spot by one or two points. It was unbelievable. So we had some pretty darn good hockey teams, but we're just, you know what, we couldn't get it together. We just could not get over the hump to be able to get, it, get into a playoff spot. And, it's, and you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't lose sleep over it, but I sure wish that I could have had some playoff games with the Red Wings and I had to retire of course in 76, but, um, it was, it was not, a, not a fun time to, to have to lay your skates up, uh, 
you know, in, in, in mid-April and, uh, and sit around until September. So, but again, uh, it, 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 it changed uh, after my day, and thank God just for that. Uh, <laughs> and now it's a whole different thing, and we have 25 incredible years, uh, a lot of Hall of Fame players and a lot of winning, which has just been wonderful. Well, Mick, from that, you were able to transition into a broadcast career, a broadcast career that is now, I believe, in its 38th year that's enabled yep. you, and they've honored you by placing you in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's been mm-hmm. well documented. You know, unfortunately, over the past year, we lost Dave Strader, and I know that you and Dave yep. um, had a great relationship. Um, say a yep. few words about Dave for us. Well, uh, Arlene and I went to, uh, my wife and I went to visit Dave and Colleen and the kids about five days before he passed away. Um, I had been speaking to him pretty much on a regular basis, and um, and we, we we talked about going in, but then they were, you know, hope for this and go here, go there, and we finally decided, you know what, let's do it, let's the schedule would work, and uh, he, was, he was pretty banged up, but we... We, we, we went into Glens Falls. We spent three hours with him. We laughed. We reminisced. Uh, we joked about stuff that went on. And, uh, and I said to Dave, I said, you know, uh, first of all, he said to me, when I got diagnosed with this, this dirty cancer, I sat back instead of uh, worrying and wondering about where I could have gotten to in my career or who I would have beaten up for this job or that job. He said, I sat down with a pen and paper. And I wrote down all the things that, that we had to be appreciative of over the years and, and, uh, and, and the people uh, that Colleen and I uh, uh, met and uh, got friendly with over my 30 years uh, in the hockey business. And I thought, wow, I mean, what a, what a thing to say. But that was Dave. And I said to him, I said, you know, the thing that, that made you really cool to be around and be a part of and be a friend was that you did not you respected the game number one and you respected the people that had played the game and he never let his ego i mean get in the road of what he was doing um and that was dave strader i mean he always had great respect for what he was doing um and he came in you know to to us as a as a rookie he had never done television and i remember uh Jim Lights, uh, who's now in Dallas, had called me, and and I was uh, basically coming back from Hockey Night in Canada. And he said, "I'm going to bring a, I'm going to bring a kid in from Glens Falls, and he's uh, he's never done TV, Mickey, and he's never done NHL. So I need you to hold this thing together and teach this kid." I said, "All right, well let's let's have a go at it." And and we met, and uh, we laughed uh, that day when we were visiting. I said, "Remember that it was almost the first day." Uh, first game or so, and and Dave, <laughs> I said to him, we were getting set to go on the air, and we were standing in front of the the camera, and uh, and I looked at him and I said, Dave, I said you got to quit moving around. If you don't quit moving around, I'm going to have to get some drama. Me, you are making me dizzy. <laughs> Jesus, criminy. And he laughed like hell. He said, Am I moving that bad? I said, Look at the monitor. And he was so nervous, you know, to to, to, to start the game, and uh, he got that straightened out. We had a good laugh about that. And, uh, and, and one other thing I'll tell you is we were, at the end of that year, we only did, I think, 17 games, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we were, the opening night, we didn't get on the air for about 10 minutes. With, something went wrong there, so that wasn't cool. We got, <laughs> I said to Dave before the game, I said, you know, Dave, uh, we're, not, we're not very good. Uh, this could get a bit ugly. Well, we got beat 10 to 1. 
by Minnesota. Oh, wow. And <laughs> the final horn went, and he looked at me, and he goes, Jesus, Carmen, he said, what did you know? The day <laughs> I told you, we're not very good, but it was a little worse than I thought it would be. But that, that's how we got started. And right near the end of the year, uh, we were back in Minnesota, and uh, Gerard Gallant and Steve Eisenman were standing by the stick rack, and they were shaving their sticks with the, the razors and all the stuff and, the, and all those uh, tools they used in those days. And Stevie looked up, and he said, oh, my God. He said, here comes those TV guys. We never win when you're around. <laughs> and I, I looked at him, and I said, Stevie, I got news for you. You don't win much more out around either. <laughs> that team got 40 points. And our record hey. on TV was 115 and 1. Hey. And he looked at me and goes, ah, you got me there. <laughs> well, thanks for that because I was in goal for all 10 against Minnesota. Thank you. You were not. Were you? I was in ten, all 10. Stephen Are did you one. serious? Swear to God. I we forgot never, that. We got beaten double digits, I think, three or four times that year. Oh, my God. I, oh, I yeah. forgot, Eddie. I conveniently <laughs> forgot that you were in goal that night. You know that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I, my, my memories of Dave, too, is when I, in 83, I think. <laughs> You're not supposed to remember that as a goal. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that year, you remember the 40 points. I remember all the oh, goals. Oh, yes, that, I did. Yes. And oh, I, yeah. I remembered all the goals because you were right. We were god-awful. <laughs> we were terrible. That wasn't the same time where the Wings lost on a Saturday night in Toronto, like 13 nothing. Was that the same? Uh, it could have been. If Eddie was in goal, yes. It could have been. I don't know. I don't know about that. I just actually I just saw a, a film clip uh, a couple of days ago, but Ian Turnbull, he got five goals against the Red Wings. But you weren't in goal, I don't think. No, I don't. Uh, not against Turnbull. I think it was Jimmy Rutherford, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he, I don't know what that score was that night, but uh, <laughs> oh, there were some ugly times. But you know what? It was all part of uh, uh, turning this whole thing around and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, all, it's all part of the foundation building to what we've got today, which is uh, a very proud franchise once again. So it's all good stuff, good memories, and thank God we're all here to, to be able to remember them and laugh. Yeah, I, like I said, in 83 when I, I went down to rehab my hamstring, that's where I got to meet Dave because he was on the radio with Greg yeah. Jolly. Greg oh, yeah. Jolly was yeah. his anchor man. And, uh, but uh, yeah. very, very funny man, good sense of humor, just like you said. He, was, he will oh, be God. missed. He was great. Yeah. And then uh, he came to Phoenix, and I was working for Phoenix uh, with Gretz. Yeah. Uh, and he yeah. was, him and Darren Pang were together. So, right. And again, right. fun, fun road trips. So with well, that, I mean, oh. you know, all that, all that stuff said, you know, what, what's unsaid is the fact that he was very well prepared. He worked mm-hmm. hard. He knew, he knew his trade. And he and he and he worked really hard at, at at getting better at what he did and became a a very very good NHL play by play guy. I mean one of the one of the top guys in the league, and that's why that's why he's going to the Hall of Fame next week. So wow. awesome. uh, we're hoping to, to be there on Monday with Colleen and the kids, and uh, uh, it'll be you know I don't know. I'm, I'm this is this is all all new territory for me, but I don't know if there's another play-by-play color combination in the Hall of Fame. Um, but after Monday, Dave and I might be the first. That's, I don't know. That Wouldn't could be, be cool. it. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of you any. Know? We'd almost have to yeah. be like a Hockey Night in Canada group or something. Uh, yeah. I, I don't yeah, think it yeah, Foster, right, Hewitt, right, right. Foster Hewitt and Dick Irvin, were they ever together? I, I don't know because yeah, yeah. it's it, no, it definitely no. you're uh, the first American you know franchise what, team. You know what, though, uh, now that you mention it, I got the – 
it's, I've often I've often wondered, you know, how, what side of the bed I got up on because <laughs> I got very very fortunate to go to Montreal, and you guys mentioned it, winning two cups and playing with John Beliveau and Henry Richard, Ivan Cornway, John Ferguson, who was a mentor of mine, and and on and on, J.C. Trombley, Bobby Russo. And then, you know, get to Detroit, you get Del Vecchio, Howe, Bergman, Lib, uh, uh, Libet, et cetera, et cetera, all those guys. And then to go to Hockey Night in Canada on the broadcast side and have Hall of Famers like Danny Gallivan and Bob Cole and Dave Hodge and Dick Irvin. And now that you bring those guys up, I would, I got to believe for sure that Danny Gallivan and Dick Irvin, who were a team yeah. that were, in, in Montreal, they put me in Montreal the first year with hockey night and, and Dick would leave five minutes before the end of the period to go downstairs to get ready for an interview. And he'd show up five minutes into the, the next period. So Danny and I'd be upstairs, uh, you know, in the press box, uh, by ourselves, but I got to believe that those two are in for sure. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling too. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, nevertheless, uh, it's pretty cool. It's damn um, cool. That we're both going to be in, and we had a, oh, we had yeah. a great eleven or twelve year run here, David. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that, Mickey, um, I know that you've got um, time constraints. Want to thank you for coming on the show today, and hopefully, we're going to see you at the rink soon. Yeah, it's all good, hey guys. The uh, team played well the last couple of games. We're uh, we're four checking and uh, taking care of the, the house in front of Jimmy Howard or Morazic, whoever it is, and. Uh, it was good hockey the last two games, so awesome. I was hoping we'd go 500 on this road trip. We've already got four out of a possible eight, so maybe tomorrow night will be bonus time uh, before we come home for five straight leading into Thanksgiving. So we need points now. Uh, uh, we want to be uh, we want to have 23 to 25 points by Thanksgiving to have a shot at a playoff spot. So that's a tall order, but uh, certainly doable the way they played the last couple of games. Right, Absolutely. Great. Thanks again, Mick. Thank Thanks, you, Mickey. Mickey. Hey. Hey, Art, and by the way, Art, uh, yeah. like I said, it, yes, it, it, I'll tell you another one, just so you're, you don't feel too bad about your mother being hard on you, which is what they're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, was, I was on the radio one time in Detroit, and as you know, uh, some of the Detroit stations go all over Canada, too, and my mom was listening one night. I was doing a show, and somebody called in and said, who is the youngest player to play in the NHL? And I didn't know the answer. And uh, uh, I thought it might have been Gordy Howe at 17 and this and that and the next thing. So we finished the show. It was an hour. I jump in my car and I'm going home. I get home and the phone rings. And it's my mother in Peterborough. And she goes, Mickey, how could you not know who the youngest player in the NHL was? It was Beth Woodland. He was 16 years old. He came out of northern <laughs> Ontario. And I went, holy yep. I said, why didn't you call, Mom? Why didn't you call the show? I said, well, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Beth Woodland. That's yeah. a great story. <laughs> oh, you know what? Thank God we only got two of them, one mom and one dad, because, uh, oh, boy, if anybody's out there listening, they still got them. Put your arms around them, give them a hug, because uh, it's all good. Those are wonderful memories to have. And I was just talking about my mom yesterday, as a matter of fact, cooking stuff, and you'd call her up. I'd say, Ma, I need the recipe for this. And she'd go, well, you get this and this and this and then a pinch of that. And I go, what the hell is a pinch? She goes, come on, you know better than that. <laughs> that, that that's uh, the way they made stuff. All old-time hockey. Old-time yeah. hockey is still alive and well. <laughs> Sounds great. Absolutely. Great story, hey, Mickey. boys, have a great day. We will see you at the rink real soon. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Mickey. See you, boys. Bye-bye. All right. So that was absolutely fantastic. Always yeah, good well, to have Mickey on. You know, we're going to try and have him on a couple more times. What we're going to do, we're going to set up when we come back. Um, we're going to talk to Greg Malachy, former University of Michigan Wolverine, two-time national champion, 
a major in the U.S. Air Force and currently a physician. So going to take a short little break. We'll be back soon. And on the line with us right now is we've got a Red Wing alumni goalie, member of the University of Michigan, two-time national champion, a major in the U.S. Air Force, and currently a physician. Please welcome Greg Malicky. Malley, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Numi? Good to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Good. You're with, uh, we've got Art Regner, and we've, of course, got Eddie Mio with us always. You know, when you the said... The great Eddie Mio. Well, you know, when you said currently a physician, I'm thinking, are they going to revoke his license? I mean, what, what's going on? Is there something we should know? Malley has a five-year plan. Five years, he gets bored, and he goes on to something else. So, Malley, that leads to um, that leads to the first question. Um, you know, want to talk about your career a little bit. Why don't you walk us through a little bit? of where you started in hockey and how you've ended up where you're at right now? Uh, sure. So, I mean, I grew up in uh, the uh, east side of uh, Michigan, uh, Rochester area. I played on Little Caesars. Uh, from there, I went to the University of Michigan. Go Blue. Uh, played played four, <laughs> four years there at the University of Michigan and uh, was a member of two national championships there. And uh from there, uh, I signed with the Grand Rapids Griffins and went over to Grand Rapids, uh, ended up getting injured over there. And, uh, after my recovery, I was sent to Alexandria, uh, finished my season there. And then the next year I was in contract negotiations with, uh, uh, the Florida Panthers, uh, with Louisville in the American league and, uh, decided to, uh, to hang it up and to, uh, join the air force. So you decide to join the air force. What did you initially, did you always want to be a pilot? Yeah, so uh, I, I did. Um, I I knew some at some point in my life I wanted to serve my country. Um, I uh, have always loved uh, flying and aviation. Um, it was my intention to be a pilot uh, growing up. I got my pilot's license when I was uh, 17 years old, and uh, I was flying uh, all through college. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. There was some point in my life uh, that I knew that hockey was going to end and uh, that I was going to pursue my second goal of uh, aviation. So you're a pilot. You're flying what, A-10s? So back in the day, so uh, I was with the 107th Fighter Squadron out of Selfridge, uh, Michigan, um, in Mount Clemens. Uh, At that time, it was F-16s. Uh, currently they made a transition in 2007 to A-10s and they've been flying the A-10 since then. Okay. So you're, you've got a hockey career, you're going into the air force, you're serving your country. And then you woke up one day and said, you know what? I really want to go to med school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, you know, I, (laughs) Uh, it's it's kind of a, a I guess a long story, but uh, during uh, during my uh, I guess my career in the military, I uh, I met an incredibly uh, interesting flight surgeon, and um, I knew at some point that I was going to have to make a decision in my life with where I was going to go with flying. And uh, my father's a physician, and uh, this this flight surgeon was just talking to me about what he does in his role. And, uh, I started to get interested in medicine. And so in 2008, uh, I decided to, uh, make a transition and, um, pursue medicine. 
uh, with the intention of coming back to my fighter squadron as uh, a flight surgeon. So that's pretty much how, how it, uh, went down. So I believe congratulations are in order. Um, you just had a second little bug, another little baby for the Malikis. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, Madeline, Nicole, she's wonderful. Uh, she's doing great and no problems with, uh, any complications with the delivery and, uh, she's home safely now. So it's, uh, it's funny having going from one kid to, to two, uh, instead of, you know, playing, I guess you would say, uh, man on man. Now it's a uh, zone defense because you got to watch one and the other one. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's different, but it's uh, awesome. But thank you very much. So you've been playing with the Red Wing alumni for about three years now um what do you really like about being back with the alumni well i mean first off it's it's an incredible honor uh to be playing with the red wing alumni uh and especially with eddie Mio. i mean this is this guy's one of my heroes growing up and uh to even share <laughs> hey, you know, only because i'm sitting here that's the only reason you're saying that <laughs> yeah yeah no you know even just to share ice time with him uh is is really uh, just an amazing honor for me um, and, and, and everyone else. I mean, it, everyone there is such a uh, quality uh, class act uh, of individuals. Uh, it's just uh, truly a, an honor to skate with these people. And every once in a while I have to pinch myself. Um, but yeah, I've been playing goal now for, for three to four years, I guess, with the alumni. And it's, uh, it's been just a incredible experience well you've had eddie as a mentor and uh one of the things that i've noticed you know we have guys come in like tim page um and then i see you try and mentor them and you've really um carried a lot of the um the heavy work while eddie's been out with his hip so you're in grand rapids now you moved out there over the summer you know what do you want long term? Because now you've got you've got the hockey that you're playing. You're a major in the Air Force, and then you're a physician. What what are you looking at? Hasn't he, to- <laughs> hasn't he told you he's the emergency backup goalie for Grand Rapids? No, Mally, is that true? Uh, yeah, it, it it is. It is true. Uh, I've been <laughs> I've been out here skating with the uh, with the Griffins uh, here and there, and uh, interestingly enough. Um, um, Mike Knubel, one of the uh, one of the coaches out here, has, has had me come out and skate uh, with them. So it's it's been a real honor to go back to with uh, with the Griffins uh, and, and skate with them. I guess a funny side note was is when I was with Grand Rapids and I did get injured. Uh, gosh, this would be almost. 20 years ago, I remember going to the coach's office and he said, uh, he said, you know, we'll, we'll call you back up. Just get yourself healthy. And I said, okay, great. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you see perseverance pays off 20 years later. Here I am. So good on a promise. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's exactly going to make a comeback now though. Greg, I wanted to ask you a, a couple of Michigan hockey questions. Uh, obviously you played for Red Berenson who retired at the mm-hmm. end of last season, legendary coach, certainly at Michigan, legendary player for the university of Michigan. Uh, and now Mel Pearson has taken the program over Michigan starting off. I believe they're, Four and two, and both of their losses were in overtime. Uh, and, you know, Michigan was down a little bit the last couple of seasons. Uh, how close are you still to the program? I know most guys who played for the Maize and Blue try to, you know, at least keep an ear open to what uh, or an eye open to what's going on. But uh, can you reflect a little bit about maybe, you know, Red as a coach and, and perhaps Mel, whom I'm under the assumption because it was there forever before, that was probably an assistant when you played. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I was there, it was uh, Coach Berenson, and then uh, it was Mel Pearson as the assistant coach. And uh, it, it was uh, just a an amazing, uh, you could say, tag team of coaching with uh, Red and Mel. Um, and the University of Michigan hockey team is in a, a, just great hands right now. Um, I have no doubt that uh, Mel is going to pick up this program right where it left off with red and, and, and do just as outstanding of a job. You know, he's got some uh, incredibly amazing assistant coach with coaches with him. Uh, you know, Billy powers is still mm-hmm. there and Brian Wiseman. And then, and then he's, he's picked up uh, Billy McCall too, who I played with. And right there, that, that package deal uh, along with uh, Steve Shields being the goalie coach is a, is a uh, quite an amazing uh, coaching uh, tandem that uh, is definitely going to take the University of Michigan um, to the next level, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're fighting for a national championship here, uh, if not this year, very soon in the future. So, I, you know, all the guys are really excited that Mel was signed as the uh, the head coach, and and what he's brought in and brought to the program is just, I mean, it, it speaks for itself, and you can see what he did at uh, Michigan Tech. So. Um, he knows his hockey. He knows how to coach. And then he's got the right tools and the right pieces together to make that program a, a truly a, a good a long-term dynasty. Well, there's a, a former Red Wing uh, who's extremely excited that Mel's there and excited about the prospects for the Michigan hockey team. Uh, Martin Lapointe's son committed to play for Michigan, Philippe. Uh, I don't know if it's next season or if he's going to be in the USHL for a couple of seasons, but uh, uh, I, I just recently saw Marty at a Red Wing game, and he went on and on and on, not only about Michigan as a school, but also about Mel Pearson as a hockey coach. So he, you know, you know, coming from Marty, who's the director of player personnel for the Canadians right now, I mean, it was a pretty good testament. I've known Mel a long time too. I think they're in great hands. He worked wonders at his alma mater over at Michigan Tech. He took that program and and basically resurrected it. So, uh, uh, but I was just curious what you thought about that, since uh, you know Red was there for such a long time and really uh, established himself as one of the uh, greatest college hockey coaches of all time. Well, and, and you know, with that being said, I, no one's going to replace Coach Berenson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Coach Berenson was, uh, you know, in, 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 in itself uh, uh, just an amazing coach. And, you know, Mel Pearson, I, I, guess, I guess the saying is, is, you know, Mel is not going to fill Red Berenson's shoes, but Mel did bring his own shoes. <laughs> so, um, you know, Mel is going to bring something else to the table and he's going to, he's going to take that program and continue on with it. But, uh, red in itself is a legend and what he did for the, for the program when he initially started to when he finished his, his, uh, his credits to speak for itself. So, um, Right. Well, uh, I'm proud to be part of that team. Red didn't take that job. I mean, Don Cannon was seriously considering making it a club sport to taking away the varsity status for Michigan hockey because it had, uh, you know, it had fallen into some uh, some bad times at that point. So, I, I mean, I can remember I was living in Ann Arbor at the time and graduated from Michigan as well. And it, uh, you know, there was some, uh, you know, there was a little bit of uh, shenanigans going on. I mean, on the ice kind of things. It was like uh, uh, almost, uh, you know, the uh, the Paul Newman movie. I, I uh, slapped, it was like it was like it was like slap shot collegiate it, level. Yes, I doubt it could be that bad. <laughs> So with that, Mally, you know, we always um, we appreciate you as a goalie, but we appreciate you more as a veteran. Um, 
thank you for your service. Thank yep. you for your tours. You know, I, as a point of personal privilege, um, Mally sent me a couple pictures while he was last deployed. And the great thing about pictures between military guys is you can't share them with everybody um, because just it's not politically correct. Um, but know that you're appreciated for your service. And, you know, we hope to see you this weekend. You're going to play in that Stalls game, correct? I hope so. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if I get the call. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm ready to play. But uh, as always, it, the net is always uh, the great Eddie Meals. That's his. That's where Eddie's he got a bad hip. Eddie's not doing anything. I'm not ready, buddy. So stay by the phone. Well, hey, and Greg, the next time, whatever you decide to do with the rest of your life, make sure you uh, tell Newman. All right. Uh, I definitely. I'm driving next. He's, I don't writing, know, we'll your see, yeah, he's yeah, writing your really, memoirs. Yeah, yeah, really. He is see very concerned. Kind of abuse he's, I'm taking. <laughs> he's concerned about your future. We haven't started yet, Mally. So as, as soon as you hang up, we're just going to be all over him right now. Mally, Al's got something for you. Yeah, I just want to say, Al, uh, Mally, uh, happy Veterans Day, and thank you for your service. Well, thank you for your service, too. And, and uh, Numi, you, you two are a veteran. And uh, to all the uh, veterans out there, thank you for your service. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of the things that's uh, it's very difficult at times uh, when you do go in the military and you do serve and you do get deployed. And uh, it's something that um, I definitely don't take lightly uh, as far as the commitment and uh, taking up that service and, and protecting our country. So uh, to all the veterans out there, thank you. boy, Mally. Mally, appreciate thank it. You. Hopefully we'll see you this weekend. Take care, gentlemen. See you. Thanks. Right. Something else you don't know about Mally. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. You might not know this. All right. So up in the gondola, there's always an emergency goaltender now. It's got to be a young amateur. In, in At Little Caesars? Every, every NHL hockey team has to have an amateur backup goalie. If that fails, they have a amateur, I mean a pro backup goalie. Then it's you. No, it's Mally. Mally's <laughs> the pro uh, Red Wing goal. Really? Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. So is he coming down for every game? No, no. It's uh, Why they have that rule, I have no idea. Mally said it's because it, it can't just make a, a pro uh, a backup emergency goalie because that guy might have retired last year or two years, and they say it's not fair. I go, <laughs> I says, that doesn't make sense. So you're going to have an 18-year-old. Back it up, go in if. I mean, chances are. Is it the same amateur goalie every game for the Red Wings? It doesn't have to be, no. Do I've you seen, know who it is or no? I met one of the kids. He's really? playing for uh, a, 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 a club college, uh, Oakland or something like that. Um, really? Yeah. Well, that reminds me of when. But the, but the last game I was there was completely somebody else. Yeah. I think they just call somebody up and say. Can you be in the crowd? Well, Las Vegas, before their pro team came on board, the uh, the Wranglers or whatever they were called, <laughs> they used to have that guy, Jay White, as their emergency goaltender. Oh he God. was the Neil Diamond impersonator. Running, he had his own show, his own room in Vegas, but he was their backup was their goaltender. Backup. <laughs> so, I, did, I did not know that. But so right in the middle of Sweet Caroline, gotta go! Gotta go! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming! <laughs> That was a great story. So with that, you know, so far we've had Mickey, we've had Mally. Um, just absolutely delighted to have Dan Stahl and Paul Sabatini in from Stahl's. One of the things we're doing this weekend, uh, we do have a game on Saturday, Sunday. 1230. Sunday. 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 Veterans Day on Saturday Sunday. at the museum. Wow, our date's wrong. So Sunday, 
Your, your dates rock. I my, knew it was Sunday. I did not know. Okay, yeah, so a bunch of guys show up Saturday. What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, that was going to be me. So Sunday, twelve thirty at the Mark Wells Arena, otherwise known as the St. Clair Shores Civic Arena. And with that, I do have Dan and Paul in. Dan, welcome. How are you, Paul? Welcome. How you doing, Newman? Thank you for having us. Oh, absolutely. So before we even get started on that, tell us a little bit about stalls. Tell me what you guys do. Let me take it in. Oh, sure. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> so uh, actually, uh, stalls, we're celebrating 85 years this year. Um, so we're the leaders in pre-cut and custom athletic numbers for letters, numbers, and logos. We're also well-known and respected throughout the sportswear, custom apparel, and promotional products industry for our high-quality and innovative equipment, materials, and services. We're also licensees. Uh, with the NHL, NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. So with that, you've had a relationship with the Red Wing alumni over the past couple years. You've done just some great custom jerseys for us. Uh, Tell us a little bit, though, about your Veterans Day program. I know it's not just this one game. You have a lot of things that lead up to it. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so this year we've uh, arranged for a two-day fundraising event. Uh, We're calling it uh, Power Play for Heroes. Got the two P's there for the two-day event. Um, and it's benefiting Guardian Angels Medical Services Dog, medical, uh, Service Dogs. Um, so we have the first day, which is on Saturday for Veterans Day, is at the Stalls Automotive Foundation. And Dan, I don't know if you want to speak a little oh, bit about certainly. that. Oh, certainly. Well, the museum exists to restore, uh, preserve, and exhibit vintage vehicles, music machines, and memorabilia. And the big part of it is... It's there to educate and inspire people of all ages and kind of understand where the history of vehicles came, where the electric vehicle wasn't invented within the last five years. And then uh, to, to close it out is our charity hockey game at St. Clair Shore Civic Arena versus the alumni, which is a great uh, great event for us. Um, there's going to be lots of memorabilia there from the game for the, from the alumni. Uh, second story, D.C. Sports. We're going to have a photo booth. We've got a shirt launcher. So we're trying to entertain the fans as well to, to make it a great day. But the most important thing is uh, respecting and, and paying tribute to our veterans. I have a question about uh, do you, about numbers and letters. Yeah. Is this like, so when you're when fans tune into a game, what are the chances of that they're seeing the lettering or the numbers are provided by you? That's a great question. So most likely from the youth to professional, if it's got some decoration on the uniform, it's come from stalls. Really? Draft day, NFL draft day, all those jerseys with yeah. the names and numbers come from stalls. Yeah, so we're uh-huh. behind the stage. We've got, uh, what is it, 60 seconds, I think, or 90 seconds. Yes. So when that player gets drafted, we've got all the jerseys in the back. We have the names cut and ready to apply. We apply it on the jersey, hand it to the commissioner, and he gives it to the player right there on the stage. Now, I know a lot of teams, and this might not be because maybe it's more of a jersey question than it is numbers or, or, or lettering, but when the uh, – I'd say the Toledo Mudhens had their Sergeant Pepper's night, and they wore this Sergeant Pepper's kind of get out with had numbers though in letters and all that. Was that yes. would that be something that you would do? Or yeah, that's a different form of uniform decoration. That's a it's called sublimation. Mm-hmm. So you can get all these wild and fantastic graphics. And actually, we've been doing that for our games for the alumni, um, for stalls for the uniforms that we're wearing. We're doing it with the Joe Kosher Foundation. Really, but it's a it's a trending popular. Uh, What's the wildest thing you've ever done so far? Or what, you know, when you guys look at it and you say, you know what, that's we really hit our mark. Not that you don't every time, but I, I guess so we've been doing some stuff for Call of Duty, maybe. Or yeah, there's some of those graphics, and then even the Red Wings alumni jerseys uh, that had the autism puzzle pieces were actually oh, wow. rather neat. Yeah, that's coming up, uh, I believe, in February. Um, 
we're the alumni to UAW uh, Autism for the Ted Lindsay Foundation. Well, that sounds great. I gotta say, anybody that hasn't been to this uh, the Stall Museum better go because we had that uh, the Stall. Yes. That was a great event last year with Jay Leno. And the alumni were present, and uh, you had a knockout date that night, <laughs> and it wasn't okay. One of so, uh, <laughs> was, it, so, was it his old hip? What are you so, trying yeah. to say? Oh no, no, no. Okay. So, anyways, Rockstar. I was so excited because it wasn't just automobiles. There's uh, organs. Yeah. There was uh, the stagecoach. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's so enlightening. And, wow. And kids. They had the kitty cars just for you? And they had the kitty cars for me. I got in one of them. Um, I think you wanted to get in the stagecoach, I too. wanted to get in the sca- <laughs> stagecoach, too. But uh, I recommend it for anybody to come out there Saturday because it's, uh, it, it's a blast. Uh, you, you lose yourself in there for a good two to three hours yeah. and not even know it's been three hours. And when the, actually the newest edition is the 1920 got in 120- Five key organ that is, I think, thirty feet tall and forty feet oh, long. Wow! That was just installed. So what? What was the press? What really started you guys with your alumni or even your veterans program? You know, how many years have you been doing a veterans program out at the museum, and then starting with the hockey game? What drew you into the veterans cause? I would say um, within our family, there's quite a few military people, whether it was my grandfather or my uncle. And our family's always, you know, tried to pay tribute. This is just one way of being able to recognize all the veterans out there. Yeah, this will be our fourth year um, that we've had the open house at the museum. And now our third game with the alumni. And our family's also been a huge hockey fan, whether it was, you know, my brother and sisters playing since we were five Growing up through hockey and just adding hockey or another day of hockey to the Veterans Day events kind of just makes it even more successful. So how do you generate your team to play against the alumni? Actually, uh, a majority of them is employees. We uh, ask all the entities of stalls uh, if they're willing to play and they want to play, and uh, we form it that way. So with our tentative lineup right now, have you been provided a tentative lineup? I have not lineup? been. Uh, George has been working on that. <laughs> George is working. We have tentative names ready to go. George is going to be in goal along with Greg Malakiu, who we just talked to. Um, Eddie, no. Eddie's <laughs> got that bad hip. Eddie yep. will be behind the bench, it's right? It's not a bad hip anymore. It's a new hip. It's a new hip. So how can you call it a bad? It's brand new. So you guys have an amateur backup goalie? Al. Al's the backup. I wanted to mention, too, the, uh, the Ted Lindsay Award's actually going to be at our game this year as well. Oh, Good. Wow. Is Ted going to be with it? If Ted's feeling up to it, yes. Yeah, because oh, really? normally... Because um, it's uh, Hall of Fame. Yes. Right. Well, yes, but there are two. Ted has his own that was specially made for him. Um, no, no, you, no! I'm saying he, he oh, might present. be at the uh, Hall of Fame weekend. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways, hopefully he's there because yeah, that would be, be a nice. great addition. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be a phenomenal yeah. addition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Bowman and Maliki in goal right now. We're looking at John Blum, uh, former Red Wing, Fedek, former Red Wing, Koser, um, Ogrodnik. Mickey is supposed to show. We're waiting on final scheduling on that. Uh, Jason Woolley. Uh, Lauren Knopf, John Finstrom, Eric Reitz, Dean Kolstad, Nick Libet, uh, Craig Willannon, and Ralph Nelson. So we'll have official announcement of that roster. You know, you guys follow us on Twitter. You've been very kind yes. with your likes, and so we'll have our normal card out like that. So if people want to go to the game or if they're interested in any of the veterans programs that you offer over the weekend, where should they go? So you can still get tickets at uh, St. Clair Shore Civic Arena. Uh, there's not many left. I know it's going to be another sellout, so we're really happy about that. 
um, and Veterans Day. Um, if you go to Stahl's yeah. Auto, S-T-A-H-L-S-A-U-T-O.com, uh, you can read about the Veterans Day as well as the museum itself. And it's free admission, and we just have donations are highly suggested. Right. Another great thing, too, is the Lions are off this weekend. They play Cleveland, so no one's <laughs> going to be interested in that. That's so. what I heard. People are like, oh, it's on a Sunday. They're playing Cleveland. Like, it's Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> Cle- Cle- Cleveland is 0-8 and eight right now. Well, they're playing at home, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we're hockey fans anyways. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a hockey hockey. Company. Trust me, no uh, one's going to that game. No. <laughs> I'm Lions free. I'm like I, I, I am definitely Lions free. I mean, I, I, I'm at the hockey game no matter what. But uh, I just think that, you know, you caught a break there because, you know, when the Browns are in town, you might as well be playing, you know, I don't know, Genesee High School. But these guys do so well publicizing the game because even our first game at the outdoor park. Yes. There at was Clark a lot Park. Of at Clark Park. Yes. At Clark Park. And last year's game was well attended, so they'll they'll have no problem. Yeah, oh, it's almost sold out now. Yeah, yeah, they'll have no problem. No, our employees. I think we've sold over seven or eight hundred tickets already with our employees, and they have a great time. And we try and make it, you know, an experience, just as the museum is itself. Do you guys try to beat? I mean, the Red Wings. You know, the, the alumni team. You know. I've been to several of their games, and they start off like fun, and, <laughs> and, then, and then towards the end, they you kind of figure out why they were professional hockey oh, yeah. players. No, I mean, we respect all of them. We're just no, they out got there. A, they got a couple of good lines and a good uh, two defensemen. That could, it was awesome goaltending the last two years. Oh, that, really? That's that's what, yeah. Yeah. You pat yourself on the back? Was, yeah. yeah. And, and this year they might have a chance because I'm, I'm not ready to play yet. Yeah, George is playing. Oh. <laughs> George likes to tell everybody now that um, in his role as kind of like the rodeo clown for the alumni, he lets the goals in on purpose to keep the goals, to keep the games close. Now, I think a lot of us disagree with that, um, but it's it's always a good game. Tell yeah. us about your affiliation with Mark Wells. Um, well, uh, we met Mark uh, the first time we were doing Clark Park, and um, we formed a, a really good relationship with him. Uh, for a lot of us, we're, it was really an honor to meet him sure. and get to know him. Um, and last year when he brought out Kenny Morrow was just another awesome experience with us. Yeah, for those that don't know, Mark Wells, member of the 80 Olympic team, mm-hmm. Ken Morrow, same way. Um, I deal with a lot of different athletes, and I'm fortunate in the hockey world. I never grew up as a hockey fan, um, full disclosure. But one of the things, we were playing the Chicago Blackhawk alumni like two years ago at Notre Dame. And uh, Coaster was on that trip, and I was like, there's Jack O'Callaghan. And Coaster's like, you know, so what? You guys in your 80 Olympic team. But it was such a huge honor. I normally don't say, hey, can I get a picture? And for the first time, I was handing the camera over, and Mr. O'Callaghan, can I get a picture yeah. with you? They say if you can meet one of, one of the 20 guys on that team, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, it was absolutely. It's, it's just always an honor and to have Mark. And I know that Mark has gone through his struggles. And, you know, Drew and Mike um, – from Riff were really out front. You know, I remember when they were browbeating St. Clair Shores calling up the arena, you know, about yeah. the whole Mark Wells Arena because I guess it was renamed Mark Wells Arena. It took a long time for that to happen. For that to that happen. That was just recently, wasn't it? Within the last couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years, I want to say. The yeah. last couple of years that they acknowledged it because I guess originally back in like the early 80s it was named Mark Wells, but oh, they really? never switched it over. They went back. Yep. They found the whole proclamation. Everything else. Stall should have made a sign and just did it. I mean, it's right down the street from our, uh, we, our where our headquarters used to be. Actually, but you know what's interesting about that 1980 game? I was in college at the time, and my 
one roommate was really into it. And that game was not not like it would be today. It was not on live. No. It was on like at 7 o'clock yeah. at night. It was an afternoon game. And I can remember running home from either a late night class or like work or something. I worked at a restaurant in Ann Arbor. And uh, I'm running up the door and I'm about to go in. And my roommate, who was really into it, he was from uh, uh, Lake Success, New York, in Long, on Long Island, as they say. <laughs> Long Island. Yeah. He had put up a sign already on our front door. Four three USA. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, he, he completely blew it. You know, I mean, I knew exactly what was going to happen, but yep. that was. And let's be honest. I know that you know Joey might say you and you Americans in that one thing, but you know that 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 was the Joey was only sixteen years old. Well, that 15, was the well <laughs> living in Saskatchewan yeah. where they probably didn't even know the Olympics were going on. <laughs> probably, but okay. you know what? But that did a lot. I mean, you you could actually say, and Eddie, I'd love to get your opinion on this. That that game itself kind of spurred oh, Gretzky yeah. being traded to L.A. I mean, it, it created a oh, buzz yeah. and an interest in the United States. Well, I played in with- hockey. That you know was second to none. It's never been. It's never been duplicated. Yeah, that year I played with uh, in '81 uh, with three of the Olympians: McClanahan, uh, uh, Pavlich, Mark Pavlich, and uh, and uh, Baker, um, the defenseman. Yeah, Brian Big, Baker. Bri- yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got to know these guys, and that's they were. And oh, and Dave Shan. Uh, not Shan. Uh, Dave. Uh, oh, um, Schneider. Uh, it starts with an S. Out of Boston. It's Davy Silk. It's Davy Silk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I played with about four of them. And uh, it was always on a plane. We were going with it. it, it we still, they still talked about it. We brought up questions, the Canadians, uh, how did it feel, you know, because Russians getting uh, beaten, the Russians at that time was an unbelievable feat because, again, there was no pros. So the Russians had carte blanche. They yep. just ran right through the tournament. Well, well that way, Anoff has great stories about yeah. about that whole Even experience. Even Bear was on that team, too. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. 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 And that eight was years. The, the Russian, yeah. Yep. And they still talked about it, too. Yeah, that was about a, how they, well, they got in big-time trouble. <laughs> Tretiak being pulled, though, that was the thing, if you ask Russian players, till this day, they don't understand what, why, you know, the arguably the greatest goalie in the world at that point, oh. and they pull him out of that game. Yeah. Undeniable. He was, he, he was the best. Well, At least you guys were able to watch the, the game. The, the shame was that he never got to come were over you here. Were born, Dan? No, not yet. Man. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I have a lot of sports memorabilia. Yeah. Did you just say you weren't born then? You know, nope. I, 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 I'm going secondhand, too. Uh, what yeah. people told me. <laughs> <laughs> you just like, told the story. Oh, yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, I was in college. My God. It's my son. Dance my kid. Uh, I was that's, uh, at uh, Lakeside Mall that day skating at open skating at Lakeside yeah. Mall, and they announced it over the speakers that we beat the Russians. That's how I remember it. Well, because they had hockey, or not hockey, but why World of Sports, a week before on a Saturday, had a game or something from Madison Square Garden where the Americans were shot like 10 out. to 1. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, it, yeah. it was like, my oh, yeah. God. They, the, the start of that year, I think they got beat 13 to 2 by the Russians. Yes. Oh, right. so 13 or 14. Yeah. Took, not only Russell. did I play with the four players, Herb Brooks was our coach. So, oh, really? uh, yeah. Oh, so we got our ear full of the the uh, the Olympics that that. That year. Did he do the whole uh, again thing to you? Uh, he did a lot of other things to, to the pros. I think, I think it, the only problem with her back then was with the pros, we didn't listen. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. It's different. Uh, I, I swear to God, he's one of the best coaches I've ever played with. Uh, strategist, unbelievable. Uh, in between periods, can can really pick up uh, what we were doing wrong, what they were doing better. Uh, as at that far, but the problem was that most of us were making more money than he was, and for him to be yelling at us. Yeah, we took it, but it didn't. It didn't sink in. Right. So any of his tirades that worked with the college kids did not work with the New York. Yeah, you know, when, when Ned Harkness took over the Red Wings, several of the Red Wing players now told because he came from Cornell. Ken Dryden was his right. goalie. I mean, right. he had really successful teams. He was a great coach. But they said when he came, this was a real veteran Red Wing team. You know, they were smoking cigars, looking at the racing form, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he was trying to. Uh, to get them to do five breakouts, five man units, all this kind of stuff that is second nature today. But back then, they just weren't listening to him. And because he was a college coach where he could, you know, pull their scholarship, I guess, if he wanted to, you know, he had a little more control oh, yeah. and power. Once he got into a professional room, yeah, it was it was all lost. I mean, darkness with Harkness. So he might have been a, a little bit ahead of his time, actually. Well, and, and Herb was the same thing in Minnesota. You had to listen to him, uh, or he could pull your scholarship. So that's why he was successful. But he was a very good coach. He was successful in the pros too. Right, right. Once he started figuring it out that it's not the tirades in between periods or at practice is not going to work with the pros. Do you, you think know? Badger Bob Johnson got that? I, mean, I think he you, did. You know, that he kind of understood yeah. right from the beginning when he yeah. made the leap into the professional ranks. Bob and, and Herb, they coached against each other. Wisconsin, mm-hmm. right. Minnesota. I right. played in that era with Colorado College, and uh, I got to see them both at a younger age, too. <laughs> but a Badger Bob wasn't as... Uh, animated as Herb, and I mean, he could lose his temper, but on the bench, he was more of a quiet guy. Herb, he was he was all energy. It, right. uh, you know, it, it he was in the game every second. He knew everything that was happening. That's why I said, as a strategist, I I I haven't played for anybody better. Uh, how he can just. Uh, break up that period and come back right in the dressing room and say exactly what we had to do. And that's why we had success the two years I was with the Rangers. Wasn't you stopping the puck? Uh, I I had my share, but I think I'll give the credit there, Herb Brooks. We've had a lot of Herbisms in our office this uh, past week. Uh, We're referring to you guys, the alumni, saying their time is over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're not getting any younger. I'm so darn sick of hearing about the Red Wing alumni (laughs) team. (laughs) So with that, just want to remind everybody, Saturday, um, out at the Museum with Stalls for Veterans Day, and then Sunday at Mark Wells Arena in St. Clair Shores, 1230 puck drop, limited tickets still available. Yes. We want to thank Paul Sabatini and Dan Stahl for coming in today, and hope to see you guys out there this weekend. Thank you so much for having us. And Newman, I got a parting gift for you. I didn't know who was going to be here, but I have the actual alumni jersey that they'll be wearing. Ooh, outstanding. Especially oh, made for you. Let me get that out for you. <laughs> Did you have enough fabric? <laughs> <laughs> we took two jerseys uh, Omar together. the tent maker. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say... <laughs> <laughs> and I did want to mention oh, that Stalls wow. did do all of the jerseys this year for the Coaster Foundation. Wow, that looks yeah. that is looks beautiful. That uh, is, jer- I've got two jerseys wow. that I wear all the time. There, it's it's oh, that one's nice. So there you wow. go. Wow, that's fantastic. So back that in the, super. Uh, the new logo for the alumni, we made it a little bit patriotic, as yep. Joe told us to put some red, white, and blue in there, and uh, awesome. we hope you guys like it. That's like fantastic. It. We'll post a picture of that on our Instagram as well as our Twitter and our Facebook. I like to you, see the real Red Wings wear that. That is, uh, <laughs> you could sell a lot of jerseys. Yeah, I, I, hey, we do it in a heartbeat. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Adidas, uh, 
I don't think you'll get in there. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's too bad. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. While we come back, we're going to talk to the door manager, as he calls himself, Al Lux. We'll see you in a few. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going into the last 20 minutes of the show. But welcoming, of course, you can call him Al. Al Lux. Al, what's your official title with the Red Wing alumni? Well, right now, they call me the assistant uh, trainer. Yeah. That's with the alumni. And uh, down at the Joe Lewis Arena, I'm known as the Detroit Red Wing alumni doorman. Well, you must be kind of lonely down there. There and, is no uh, Joe Lewis Arena. I mean, at the LCA, <laughs> oh, Little Caesars Arena. There we go. And They uh, do not like LCA. No, they oh, don't. And they don't like the dojo. But, but we, have, we have a lot of fun, and now they call me the manager of the alumni club. It's no longer the alumni room. It's the alumni club. Alumni club, so it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's great to be with these guys and uh, see that everything that they get involved with. And uh, how long have you been with the alumni? I've been with the alumni now seven years. So that long? uh, That long? Yeah, seems like twenty. It's, I've been there forever. Okay, but it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. Of course, Eddie is over here. He's always going to snap my cracker. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> he's, why he's, stop now? Why, that's right. Why stop now? We have a lot of fun. You know, Al, there, the, the main reason you're on today, you know, as we go into Veterans Day and we've got the Veterans Day game with stalls, we have four members of the alumni that are military veterans. Craig Nat, who's one of our referees. Craig Malachy, who we just spoke to, and now, uh, of course, myself, and then you, right? So tell us a little bit about your military service. You were in Vietnam, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I got in the uh, service on uh, December 31st, 1962, and I got out Christmas Day, 1965. I spent three years in the military. Um, I spent five months on the ground over in Vietnam, and, uh, you know, we were doing a lot of advanced parties and stuff like that, and that was one of my jobs. Uh, was advanced parties. So there's not much to say about that. Uh, it was it Well, was what different. was your job? What was your MOS? What was My your... MOS was a 321.1, which was a military uh, saying for uh, pole linemen. And we climbed telephone poles, set up communications and stuff like that. And uh, we, we trained for that. But both, most of the time over in Vietnam, we set up uh, aluminum poles. And uh, we would climb those poles and string wire and stuff like that. And we strung a lot of wire on the ground through through the water, through the rice paddies, you name sure. it, we've done it. So, so that, you came back, and then what did you do civilian-wise once you got back? I uh, started a job over at uh, Dynaquick Corporation, which was a model shop, and then I worked for uh, I worked for several job shops through the years, and I became a uh, model maker by trade. So that, And I stayed with it for uh, 41 years. Wow. How'd you get involved with the Red Wings? Well, I always had season tickets for like 15 years. And when I got out of the service, that was a big thing, you know, back in 1966. And we would come down and we'd go down to the uh, Joe Louis Arena. Our, now that was Olympia. And uh, we would go down to hockey. That was our, that was our thing. Uh, it always was. Ever since I was a kid, I could never skate because I broke my leg so many times. That, and... Uh, but I, I, hockey was always my, my, my uh, biggest sport. I loved it. Even when, le- when I was a little kid listening on the radio uh, to the announcers and, you know, coming down the ice in the, with the uh, production line. It was just, it was, I don't know, it just got into my skin, and, I, and I've, I've been doing it ever since. Love hockey. So how would you get involved with the alumni? Well, it happened uh, 
in a, it was a strange way. Uh, at the door, they had the, uh, uh, one of the doormen there, and he had passed away. Charlie, yes. Yep, Charlie, uh, Charlie Han. And uh, he had passed away, and they said they wanted somebody at the door. And a friend of mine who worked down there, he says, I got just a guy. He likes to talk. He likes hockey. <laughs> he knows the players. You know, the players would come in. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Dino Cicerelli. I know who you are. <laughs> Eddie Mio come in. I know who you are. And uh, John didn't Grant know who week. I was. I didn't know who Newman was. No, I don't think anybody did back then. <laughs> I still don't think they know you. <laughs> he just pushes his way in. That's all. That's right. But uh, that, that's how I got involved. And then uh, I was working with the, uh, a trainer, and that was, uh, oh, gosh. Tommy uh, Shaw. Tommy Shaw. Tommy Shaw. And uh, Tommy Shaw, you know, he says, why don't you come to an alumni game and help me out? And that's how it started. And, uh, of course, it was Eddie, I think, and, and Brent Fettick. They said, hey, uh, you know, I asked them about becoming a member. They vouched for me. And I, uh, I was sent outside. They took a vote. And, and uh, I took a bite of a cookie. They said, come back in. I figured, oh, you know, I walked back in. They said, you lost. I went, okay, that's okay. No problem. No, you're in, and then they gave me the the, 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 the big, big the big speech, you know, or the big song, whatever you want to call it. Can't big, say it on the air, <laughs> but uh, I've been involved. There was with an F and a since. U in there. Oh yeah, there we are. Yeah, we call it, we call it the hymn. The hymn, yeah. And uh, I've been involved with them ever since, and it's always been a lot of fun. I met a lot of good people, and uh, and I can honestly say I never met a hockey player that I didn't like. We all get along, and and. and and some of the locker room stuff that goes on is just fantastic. It's, it, it, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the jokes that go mm-hmm. around the, 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 uh, the room is just unbelievable. You know, it's interesting about it being a small world is that Tommy Shaw, he had uh, two t- identical twin daughters, yes, Susan and Sharon, that I went to elementary, junior, and high school with. They were in my same grade, same class, and, uh, uh, you know, Tommy – was a great guy, and so every time I saw him, which was quite often at, at Joe Lewis Arena, uh, that you know he would always you know say hi, and we'd always talk about his daughters and, and and all that. I mean, he he was a great guy. And and Al, I want I wanted to ask you, out of all the players that have come and gone, except for excluding Eddie Mio, of course, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> was there. Was there one that actually stood out or one that you were in awe of? Because after a while, you get to know that they're people, so you kind of just say, hi, Gordy, or hi, Ted, or whatever. But was there one that you were like, oh, my gosh, I'm, in, I'm really in front of greatness here? Well, you know, you'd be surprised. I met Gordy Howe. I met Ted Lindsay. Um, I met the, uh, uh, El, Alex Del Vecchio. But back in the day, back in the 60s, one of my favorite players was Gary Bergman. Oh, For uh, some reason, he Bergman. stood out. And, uh, you know, they asked me uh, one time. Uh, kind of look like Gary in a way. Well, that's the big thing. You know, we, we're both bald. But uh, uh, when I when I seen him play uh, back in 1966, I think we were in the playoffs against Chicago. And he came to the bench. And, of course, we were right behind the bench. We had the best seats in the house. And I heard him speaking. And I just looked at him. I said, now, that's my kind of guy. I mean, he just, for some reason, it stuck in my mind. And when they asked me about a jersey and they said, what number you want on it? I said, number two. Oh, number yeah. Two. And Al, Al, does, Al does a great job, though, too. With, uh, everybody thinks that, uh, you know, it's an easy job coming down there and being uh, the trainer, equipment manager, whatever you want to call them. But uh, they work hard. They set up the room. 
L is the best towel folder, though. <laughs> that towel yes. comes right after the game. It's all rolled up. You thought it was just... It looks like a swan, uh, for God's sake. It looks God's like a swan. <laughs> Origami or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling That's you. exactly what it is. Well, yes. L gives it that nice little extra touch that we're not really used to being alumni guys and former players because we're kind of on the outs. But uh, it's not an easy job, and, and, and I know the alumni guys always appreciate it. They always have fun with them. We give them a hard time at the door at the alumni club. Uh, but um, When you're allowed to get in. When you're allowed to get in. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's we, so we, popular now, there's a wait list? There's Is a wait it? list. Yeah, oh, there's a know. wait list, yes. Yeah, but uh, you know, we give him a, a, a lot of grief, but it's all in fun, and he knows that. And uh, we're glad to have Al around, and not only for his service that he gave to his country in the 60s, but uh, to the service he's given to us and the alumni is, is unbelievable. You know, the great thing I can say about Al, and it, it's it's not too emotional, but I'll tell you what, my um, I don't have the greatest relationship with my dad. It's it's a long story and anything else, but you know, my um, my son, who both of you have met, you know, is That's just Andrew. A, that would be Andrew, yes. And the great thing about Al is Andrew tells everybody if he sees Al, right, he'll say, "How's Grandpa." You know, he, he believes Al is his grandpa. Not believes, but he's taken Al on as his grandpa. And you know what? Al, to his credit, you know, always, how's my grandson? Beautiful. Right? Oh, yeah. And the funniest thing is last year, his senior year in high school, my son was like, hey, I'm going to go down to the hockey game. And I was like, I'm working. I can't go down. He goes, you know what? I've got it all taken care of. I just want to know if I can go in the alumni room. And I was like, yeah, you should be all set. You know, I'll let Al know you're coming. Um <laughs> And so he comes through. He didn't have credentials or anything, but he had he muscled his way through like everybody else and got to Al. And Al asked him, you know, well, who's going to sponsor you? Because you have to be sponsored into the alumni room at that point. And he just looks at Al and he goes, well, you, of course. You're my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I have a great time with all the kids. And, uh, you know, we talk about the, the, the folding of the towels. Well, now they... The nickname was Cabana Boy. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. Here comes the Cabana Boy. Here comes the Cabana Boy. I'll take two, but, please. But what happens is, is some of these quarters that we get into, it's awful crowded. It's yeah. small. So I fold these things up like a football. So if anybody needs one, instead of climbing over everything, I just pass it to them. So uh, that's how I got that nickname, Cabana Boy. And there's a few other nicknames I don't want to say on the air. But <laughs> Not as bad as the ones that I have, Al. Oh, so. well, yeah. <laughs> Most of those I gave to you. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, you know, Newman, we've heard about everybody and in, in their service to our country today. And you know, you're a veteran yourself. Yes. I, I mean, I, I can you uh, tell us a little bit about your military career? Uh, you know what? Um, I was honored to serve. Um, I served from '87 till '95. Um, I had two combat tours. Uh, I was in the army. Uh, medical specialist. Uh, I was a doc. I was very fortunate that I was a doc. Um, and I say that as a term of reverence because even on Facebook now, guys that I served with that were in the infantry, they still refer to me as doc. And those that don't know, if you were a medic, you know, you were either a medic or a doc. And if you had doc, it didn't matter what your rank was at that point. You could be an E1, an E8, wow. E10. You know, they looked at you as the person that they could count on. So my um my first combat tour was actually on the DMZ in Korea. 
um, in between the 4,000 meter buffer zone there between North and South Korea. Where President Trump tried to visit yesterday. Right, right but uh, he got fogged in. And, <laughs> you know what? I was there every day and I never got fogged in, but we won't talk about that. Um, and the Americans held the sector at the time, um, which means that if you were up there, it was a live fire zone. You know, we lost guys up there. Wow. Um, but it was never reported because technically it was a ceasefire zone, right? And the DMZ itself was completely different than Pan Moon Jam, which is Truce Village, which is covered by the JSA, the Joint Security Area, which is under UN um, control. So I did 14 months on the DMZ, um, came back, was only out 90 days, and got called back for George Bush's desert party, uh, Desert Storm. That's how old I am. Wow. Um, and at the time, I was in a National Guard unit, um, and I looked at the unit, and it was uh, the 207th Evacuation Hospital out of Detroit. And I looked around, and I said, there is no way in hell I am going to war with these guys. <laughs> so I immediately called up a couple commanders that I remembered from 18th Airborne Corps. And actually, I had to do a congressional inquiry at that point through David Bonnier's office to wow. get back into 18th Airborne Corps because they were like, no, you're attached to the Michigan National Guard, blah, blah, blah. But the moment they got federalized, you know, called up, then they were federal troops. Then all of a sudden, my orders were cut. And then I went back to a different unit, went over to Desert Storm, came back, and then went into a unit at, which is now um, at Grand River and McGraw. And those of you that remember, that's where Olympia was. So yeah, there's wow. a yeah. National Guard armory there. It was the 182nd Field Artillery, which was just going into multiple launch rocket systems. Um, and at that point, I was like, I'm kind of done. I had two combat tours, didn't want a third. And the sergeant major looked at me and he said, Doc, do me a favor. Let's get through White Sands, which is where they were doing all the missile testing. He goes, after that, I won't recruit you. Anything else you want to get out, you can get out. So You know, you said Doc, and it immediately I went back to one of my all-time favorite television series, which was Combat, when I was oh. growing up with Vic Morrow and Rick Jason. And, you know, whenever a guy went down, because they, they, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that show would make it on TV yeah. today, because you know, it, was, it wasn't bloody, but there was a lot of violence in it. There was, you know, they were in combat. I mean, that was sure. combat was all about. And there was one, because whenever a guy would go down, they'd always yell, Doc, Doc, and a guy would come with a, you know, with a combat helmet on that had the red cross on it. And one time, I'll never forget, Forget it. They yell, Doc, Doc, and he comes in there and he's looking. And, you know, and Vic Morrow, who was the sergeant there, and Rick Jason was the lieutenant, they were, it was kind of like they were never together very often in the series. One week it might be Rick Jason, one week it might be Vic Morrow. But Vic Morrow was really kind of the star of that show. Uh, his, his daughter is Jennifer Jason Lee, the actress, by the way. Uh, and so, uh, so anyway, there's this scene, and I used to watch this. It you was read like a lot of People magazine. Don't you? Well, no, well, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you how. Well, anyway, no, but ahead. it was like Monday nights at like seven or seven thirty. I watched it all the time with my father. I have like seasons one through four, something on DVD. <laughs> I mean, I really love the show. So they run in, a guy goes down. And Vic Morley yells, Doc, Doc. And so Doc comes. It's the same guy. I don't know who the actor's name is. And he looks at him. He goes, Doc, what's the story? Or something like that. And he goes, he, he goes, this man's in need of medical attention. And, and he goes, that's what we have you here for. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I was a little kid. And my dad laughed because, you know, obviously – he met really. This guy needs to be in a hospital. Sure. I mean, there's you know, I can put a tourniquet on this and give him a little morphine or something, but that, that's about it. So, so Newman, you were a doc. You're a doc. You're a doc. You're a doc. I was. You know what? No, You're I, a I doc. Yes. 
And uh, like I said, got to make Facebook. sure I keep saying you're a doc and not a know. dork. Yeah, that's why you know <laughs> or what something uh, or something else. Yeah, I think I, I think we know where Eddie's mind is. But, you know, I uh, I'd like to say one thing though. When I did get back from Vietnam, I mean, we weren't honored, and I'd, I'd like to say uh, to the one seventh Marines that kind of adopted me. Uh, every two years, we have a reunion. We're going to have a reunion this May in Washington D.C. And uh, I did meet two Medal of Honor winners, and they were both medics. And uh, my hat's off to these one seventh Marines, who lost uh, like three hundred and sixty five men over in Vietnam. Wow! And I'd like to say, you know, uh, Happy Veterans Day to everybody, and uh, to you, Newman, who spent ten years in the service. God bless you, and thank you for your service. You know what? Because Al- the last thing you want to hear out on a out on the field is medic. You don't want to hear that because then you know someone's got problems. Before they call for their mother, before they call for God, they call for me. Wow. And And you know what, Al, I've always said, you know, uh, I respect your service even more than mine, but one of the things that was never said to you guys, and I always make sure to say it, is welcome home. Well, that's what we appreciate. You know, if people see you on the street, if they come in and and, and you just nod your head, um, to to recognize veterans. I never go out of my way. Uh, I mean, I always go out of my way when I see a veteran and thank them for their service because it means a lot to, to the veterans to be appreciated. Yeah. Al, if, if I may, I mean, obviously Vietnam was a, a, a different kind of war because the, at that time with protesting and all that, and I've talked to a number of veterans who say that when they came home, Maybe as opposed to World War II or something where everyone welcome home and, you know, thank you and stuff, that there was friction a little bit. Some people, you know, welcomed you guys where other people were so against the conflict in Vietnam that it was difficult for some veterans to maybe accept that or to to adjust to coming back home. Did, did you experience that at all? Or? Oh, yeah. I uh, experienced a lot. I mean, I, I got poked on and I got ribbed and— uh, uh, people were telling me that I was a disgrace to the uniform. Uh, it wasn't easy. Um, I never got my medals from Vietnam until finally uh, uh, the 17th Marines, when I got involved with them, they said that I ought to put in for this and put in for that. And I did get a disability. From, I do get a disability from the government. It took me 35 years to get wow. my medals and uh, because I never applied for it. I never spoke about it. I didn't have to speak about it. Um, because people were just so against that that war, and uh, it was the young people, and you know they just uh, you, you no, none of us wanted to be there. That's for darn sure. But right. uh, they said, "Hey, you're going to be earmarked. You're going over to Vietnam." And I, and I had just got married, and I said, "Well, I got to go." Right. I, uh, and I did my duty. I mean, you know, duty calls, right? Duty calls. Back then, it was the draft, right? Con- uh, back then, we had the draft. Yeah, we we had the draft back then, and uh, if your numbers, a lot of people kind of. Uh, I remember the draft lottery on TV. Oh yeah, and uh, look at your birthday and hoping that it was in the three hundreds. <laughs> right, but uh, it was an experience, and uh, I think the the country got over it. Uh, you know, we uh, we celebrate it now more than ever, and like I say, I. I'll get together, and there'll be about 350 Marines from the oh. 17th, and uh, we, it's not all that rah-rah stuff. It's, uh, we're down to earth. We just have a good time, have dinners. Uh, we have speakers come in, and uh, it's, it, it's quite an, uh, an experience. Um, there's several stories that go around. There's, uh, 
films and uh, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's a little hard to get used to because it it brings you back. And uh, they wanted me to go back to Vietnam with them. And I don't don't care to go back. Mm -hmm. I did my time. I got out. I'm done. You know, I I wanted to ask both of you because I don't know if it was the Monday holiday bill or what, but Veterans Day was always November 11th. Yes. yes, and then for a while there, it kind of floated around, right? It was like on a Monday, or they would they officially celebrated it, and then now it's back to, and I don't know how many years this is, but it's back to being on the eleventh because even though they tried to, because you know the Monday holiday bill was this thing for three day weekends, right. so regardless of uh, this year, they're celebrating it's being observed on Friday. So if it falls on Saturday, it's observed on Friday. Okay, if it falls on Sunday, it's observed on Monday. Because what they were finding out is. Is that regardless of when you told them it was Veteran Day, Veterans said Veterans Day, or the country said it's November 11th. So, new one, did you enlist? Armistice Day. Yeah, did you? uh... Yeah, um, I enlisted August 31st, 1986. Um, So, going into my senior year of high school, I did my senior year of high school on what was called delayed entry program, Mm -hmm. uh, which means once a month I had to go out to Selfridge and drill. As a high schooler, you know, in 17 years of age where they'd, um, they'd beat the shit out of you pretty good just to get you. But it allowed for me to become an E2, uh, a private E2 going into basic training where everybody else was an E1, which was lower pay grade, right? And especially in basic training, rank is a big, big thing, you know, and so – um, Did you it, go? Was was your training different than the E one? Uh, no, no, no. You went through the same, and I went through Tank Hill, uh, which is in Fort Jackson, Fort Jackson. South Carolina. Yeah, oh, wow. Uh, and it was in July, August. Oh, it nice, n- nice and cold back then. Oh my God, we would go out for <laughs> PT in the morning, physical training. Oh my God, and everybody be doing the push ups, and they'd have the fire brigade come out, and they would just take the hoses and spray us while we were doing it. When the um, drill instructors, the drill sergeants wanted to smoke you we had the old world war ii barracks so they'd put you in the barracks they'd shut all of the windows and then they would just smoke you you know doing physical exercise and everything else and after a while you couldn't even stand up because the floor was nothing but sweat (laughs) and with that i want to thank al for coming in happy veterans day i want to tell everybody else happy veterans day welcome Eddie back into the chair. Always good to have Art in. My We're going to fire up the um, podcast again on a regular basis. So if there's anything that you're looking for, feel free to send us a message. Once again, on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Red Wing Alumni, on Instagram at the Detroit Red Wing Alumni, and, of course, on Facebook. Want to thank Mickey Redman again, Greg Malachy, Dan Stahl, Paul Sabatini for coming in. Everybody, enjoy your Veterans Day. Hopefully we'll see you Sunday. 1230, Mark Wells Arena. Thank you, Newman. Happy Thank Veterans you, Al. Day.